1: what's up guys alex mccarthy here again with another edition we've lasted longer than an episode sp3 right uh we're back again sp3 is my co-host today mr true hill heat himself alex mccarthy's wrestling daily once again bringing you the news and chatting the wrestling had a really good time yesterday chatting wrestling with guys in the comments uh, and all of those that have joined in and left comments on the youtube videos since so thank you so much for making wrestling daily get off to a nice start um but of course we had louis yesterday mr wrestle talk himself i mean actually i won't say that ollie davis might get upset but as we do know there is a lineup of co-hosts and sp3 my main man all the way from america joins us today how are you brother
2: thank you for having me i am happy to to be on wrestling daily you and louis set the bar real high set the bar real high for me but i'm ready to break through the glass ceiling tonight
1: <laughs> yes keep those uh, wrestling etiquettes with you indeed brother um so let's get into the news today before we move along and well actually before we do that let's remind people that if you do want to uh, have your comment read out on the show of course give us those sweet super chats uh, any amount we-, we have you read out on the screen and just get involved and that was a real fun time yesterday and that's the best part of this show is that it's us hosting but of course getting involved with the fans so first of all man We know we've got Hell in a Cell this Sunday, okay? There's only four matches announced at the moment, uh, which we got into yesterday. Three of them, of course, are Hell in a Cell matches, and the bookies have been, you know, releasing their odds. So it's very interesting because the bookmakers sometimes have a line on things uh, when it comes to wrestling. But as we know, Taker and Lesnar at WrestleMania 30, for instance, they don't know everything. SP3. Um, but on this occasion, now for those watching and listening on the podcast form, there might be spoilers ahead, but there might not be because they don't always get it right. So looking at Sunday though, Sasha Bailey, they are saying that Bailey is gonna get the win. Banks is not gonna get her big moment. Bailey is the favorite with the bookies. Did you see that coming, SP3?
2: I kind of did because this feels still early in their feud because of how long we've had to wait. I think it's been like two years uh, since their initial uh, interactions where it looked like they were going to have a feud uh, prior to WrestleMania 34. Then they won the the WWE Women's Tag Team titles last year. And we've had this slow burn over the year where they really were the MVPs of early 2020 for WWE so this being their first pay-per-view match, it does make sense for Bailey to get the win here, and they can leave enough room for them to come back to this feud maybe later, later on down the line, because there are new women's superstars on SmackDown that can kind of delay an inevitable rematch between the two. So I, I me myself, I am predicting for Bailey the win, so it's not that surprising that the bookies in uh, Vegas have, have me in, in their favor.
1: <laughs> um, you know, obviously over here as well, Skybet have also got it that way. And when we look at the the shape of this feud, right, is it weird that they had that match the other week on SmackDown, like with the draft? Like, was there a need for that to, to kind of, you know, gateway us to where we are now at Hell in a Cell? I don't really think so. And I, I've said long, long before this, I felt that this is a, you know, main event, perhaps, WrestleMania caliber, feud, rivalry, the talent, the star, all of it is there to have it as a major event. And it feels like maybe they're rushing it. And that feels weird to say because, as you said, it's such a long-running feud. But now that we've got to the juncture we were at, do we think that this was the plan all along? Like, I, I think there's a fair amount of Bailey and Banks that has kind of just been called on the fly. And some of that I would definitely say is the Shayna and Nia team as well.
2: Yeah, that definitely has a lot to do with it. Um, we, You know, if we there was fans in the building, we probably would have got this in Boston at SummerSlam, their first initial uh, encounter against each other. I totally agree with you. It was not needed on that draft episode. Like, it, everyone kind of saw it coming that we weren't going to get a finish. So to get the inevitable uh, non-finish or disqualification uh, with Bailey trying to keep her title was really disappointing even though we did expect it to happen but i expect that they're going to deliver a great contest inside of hell in a cell and it feels like a feud that's worthy for hell in a cell i will give it with at least at least all three all three really of the feuds for sunday they all feel that they deserve a hell in a cell match at least
1: mm, that's fair that is fair uh we got our first super chat of the night sp3 DeAndre, I almost want like Steel Dre to play in the background when when you know this comes out, but <laughs> never mind. Alex and SP3, thank you for all you do. I enjoy wrestling YouTube content as much as wrestling itself. Um, well, we'll do our best to live up to those expectations, won't we, SP3? Um well, moving man. on to another comment that I actually liked the look of. Um, I believe it was Carol saying Becky versus Banks is going to be a great match. Doesn't matter who wins, they will kick us all over the cell. Also a fair comment, by the way, um, because you know that the quality is going to be there regardless of the outcome. Like that's the one thing where it's okay that this is this could be the first of many or it won't be the be all and end all. But when you look at the quality they have together and what Banks has done in the sales thus far, by the way, you have to believe that this is going to be like a top quality affair. But how do they, you know, and I'm going to read another super chat here. Um from uh Mr. Davis number one fan. Welcome back from yesterday, my friend. Any chance of Helen's cell match to end in DQ? And I feel like this super chat actually leads into what
2: we were just talking about. Is that the way they keep banks from winning? Uh, I think that we are on a streak. Uh we, we have two streaks that might be on the line in this one match. First of all, Sasha is 0-2 in LNSL matches, if anyone anyone forgets, he has... She and has... WWE
1: love to do this to Sasha.
2: <laughs> exactly. I, I said there's, there's two, the two most struggling fan bases in professional wrestling are the fans of Sasha Banks and Tensuya Naito. They always seem to get to the <laughs> To the the apex, and then it's always taken away from them, whether it's Sasha with her title defenses, Naito losing the title all the time, but Sasha definitely is number one. Their fan base struggles and struggles because they get these huge achievements and then it's always taken away, and... I think that the disqualification streak is now running on two straight years. We had it in 2018 with Braun versus Roman, with Brock coming in and breaking up that match. Then we all know about what well, was probably a lot of people's 2019 worst match of the year with the and, feed. Uh, <laughs> with defeated uh, Seth Rollins. So I don't want to see that for this. I think they can protect sasha banks in a loss without going to the no contents no dis uh disqualification route so i'm hoping we get a clean finish or a somewhat clean finish that protects sasha but i think sasha is going 0 and three she will lose to her other four horse women uh in in hell in a cell matches
1: man i really hope the streak <laughs> this terrible streak of dqs in the cell i really hope it ends man because that was i mean it was so stupid that I, I guess it kind of makes sense for Strowman to want to have his um, money in the bank in the cell. Cause then, you know, you're going to get your match on your own in theory. Um, but just the way that went down was so stupid. And then also, I don't know if I actually have the time to break down why Rollins and the fiend was stupid, but it really, really was like, and the match was crap. Like, yes, that's a great British term. Crap. Um, yeah. I, I, I have nothing more to say. I don't want Sasha and Bailey and all their fantastic work in two thousand and twenty to slide into that bracket of crapness, to be honest. Um so please, please, WWE, hear us, hear us loud and clear. Uh we're we gonna do our first BSometer, I think, SP three. Do we think then that the bookies are right? Do we think that Bailey is gonna win on Sunday?
2: I think the Bookies are right on this account.
1: No, there it is. There, I mean, that, that that means yes, by the way. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna get greener, I promise. Uh <laughs> but that is the BS ometer for that one. Um, let's talk about some other news that's going on at the moment. Daniel Cormier, okay, former UFC light heavyweight and heavyweight champion at the same time at one point, by the way. Um, he's recently retired from the octagon after falling to Steve Amiosic uh in the su- it wasn't in the summer, but September. Um yeah. He's basically a lifelong wrestling fan. There's a great video of him reacting to Seth Rollins' cash-in uh, back at Mania 31. And, yeah, he he has been angling for the move to WWE for the longest time. He's openly admitted that he's had talks with them over a commentator's job, and perhaps that would factor in a match or two. I believe at this point SB3, he's 41 years old. So yeah. it's, it's hard to imagine retraining altogether and getting in there. But the interesting kind of part of this narrative this week is the interview that Paul Heyman did with Ariel Helwani, who, of course, is a co-host with DC uh, on their ESPN show. And Heyman was just lighting up Cormier saying that he's never drawn anything, uh, you know, that he wouldn't be able to hang with uh, Brock Lesnar. But even more to the point, Roman Reigns uh, in WWE. Cormier and Helwani, of course, uh, rebuttaled that, well, hang on a minute, Cormier would absolutely tie Roman in knots if it was like in the octagon or whatnot. You know, you can make a case for Brock maybe, but hang on a minute. Um, And then Heyman, of course, said, well, that works both ways, right? You put Cormier in the ring with Reigns, trying to like steal the show at a a big event. It's a deep water to swim in. So what do we think of all this noise coming at just this time? Do you think it's imminent, SP3?
2: I I think so. Whenever there is like big talk about these uh, athletes from different sports coming in, the talk gets more and more as closer it goes. We remember with, ah, uh, as I like to call her, the Lord and Savior of the WWE Women's Division, Ronda Rousey. Uh, before she came in at Royal Rumble 2018 it was all the talk about oh could Ronda you know make the transition over to WWE and then she made her debut and then we saw good results out of it for better or worse regardless of which side of the, the fence you are on or on Ronda's time in WWE there was benefits to it yeah. so I think there is benefits to Daniel Cormier coming on. And this is something that we've heard for over a year now, because if you remember when SmackDown was first coming to Fox, it was all said that Cormier was going to come in as one of the commentators for SmackDown on Fox. So I I don't know how he's going to transition because 41 years old coming into professional wrestling, I think, uh, 35 years old DDP came in and he was the exception to the rule. He's not the rule. So it's going to be difficult for him to make that transition. I totally agree with Paul Heyman. Keeping up with someone like Roman in the Ring who I feel is one of the one of the best in ring regardless of how you feel about him. Uh you know, his character work has been amazing right now, but for years he's been one of the best competitors to entertaining the crowd and delivering in the main event uh of many many pay-per-views and many uh Raws and SmackDown. So I don't know if Cam Cormier can keep up with him, but it would be a big money matchup, Cormier versus Reigns or versus Brock. Now, listen, I
1: I think when you look at UFC, wanted to make that fight, and Dan, Dana White was uh, very open about wanting to have Brock Lesnar come back, big money, world heavyweight title fight. Okay, Daniel Cormier was the champion at the time. You couldn't make it there. I think Vince McMahon would be excited to make it in WWE in whatever way he would do that. The thing I want to know from people in the comments, please get back to us on this because I'm going to ask you as well, SP3. Do you think the Kane Velasquez experiment will have an adverse rub on the idea of Daniel Cormier coming in? Because I think, although I don't really believe a lot of that was Kane Velasquez's fault, it didn't go well. It really didn't. He wasn't in great shape. You know, he had a knee injury at the time and they rushed this match. Quietly released, never to be seen again. That's not, a you know, Ronda Rousey, of course, is one end of the spectrum there. But Cain Velasquez, as much as I hate to say it, um, because he would kill me, he, (laughs) he is the other end. It did not work for him. So Cormier, although he has much more charisma, right, and he could settle into a commentator role, the idea that Cormier could get into the ring may not sit well with people and it might not draw as well as WWE would hope.
2: You, you know like like lewis said yesterday i watch a lot of professional wrestling so i'm before- <laughs> i, don't, I
1: don't have kids and i don't know how you find the time sometimes i'm like i need to squeeze in smackdown now but you're like well i'm just going to i'm just going to catch like bound for glory
2: 2012 today and i'm like come on man <laughs> well, i to segue from there, yeah, you're actually right. And I watch it with my my seven month olds because they wake me up at five a.m. in the morning, and there's not much for you to do at that time. So, yeah, full speed wrestling, sure, absolutely. Start them young. You got to start them young. <laughs> they grow to be pre- wrestling fans like you. But mm. uh, I I watched kane Velasquez in AAA with his pro wrestling debut. And he was great, honestly, for what they had him do. He was doing springboards. He showed a lot of charisma with his facial expressions, with his body language. I don't think he's the most charismatic guy when it comes to on the mic. That's why it was a good thing that WWE did position him with Rey Mysterio. But I totally agree with they rushed everything when it came to Game Velasquez. They wanted a big money matchup for the Saudi crowd, for Crown Jewel last year. I get that. But you already Mm -hmm. had Tyson Fury versus braun strowman and that didn't go well either so <laughs> so i i i think that it's wwe has to take a lot of fault with what happened with kane velasquez more than kane velasquez himself he was yeah. injured at the time it was just bad timing it was rushed and they really didn't give him a chance to succeed i think with daniel Cormier, the fact that we're hearing all this talk so much talk prior to him even like officially being with the company i think that he's going to have enough time to kind of make that transition a little bit better than game velasquez did but i i totally agree with you it was just really really rushed. it was a botch job when it came to transitioning someone from a different sport to wwe
1: after you said tyson fury i couldn't think of anything else (laughs) that's that's a whole nother conversation and the thing is wwe were trying and I, I'd heard this uh, report that inside the ropes ran the other week that they're trying, or they were trying before COVID, to make Fury versus McIntyre in a WWE UK pay-per-view. Um, on paper, that would be great for Drew. Aesthetically, uh, I don't know. Tyson Fury didn't move the greatest in the ring. Don't tell him I said that. But um, <laughs> it wasn't yeah? It, I don't know if that's what people. I'd rather see Wade Barrett and Drew on the UK pay-per-view but anyway just to circle back to Cain Velasquez our our own Pete Quinnell I entirely forgot Cain Velasquez was in WWE my goodness and I think there's a lot of people that echo your thoughts there Pete um the Yankee power says yes but no in regards to could Cormier succeed in WWE does Cormier have any wrestling background is he a good promo yes he is a good promo he's a very good talker um does he have a wrestling background amateur Sure, he hasn't got any pro wrestling from my knowledge. Uh, SB3,
2: no, no pro wrestling experience, but I think the amateur background is going to be beneficial to him oh, as oh. we see with so many amateur wrestling, amateur wrestlers. It's been an easier transition for them to come into this sport with having that background, so I think that his transition would be a lot better than Cain Velasquez. Cain Velasquez, yeah, like you said, it's a different end of the spectrum from Ronda Rousey or even Brock coming from coming back from the UFC to WWE. Cain Velasquez is like uh, bottom of the barrel. Even mm. when you look at people like Dan Severin in the past, he, sure. he, had, he had an exceptional run in comparison to Cain Velasquez. <laughs> uh,
1: I'll tell you what, there's a lot of love for SP3. In the comments, man, there's a he, oh, look, he's, he's biggest fan, Raging J. I like it. Raging J is a SP3 till he dies, that's what I like. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's really the bottom line, right? It wasn't really Cain Velasquez's fault, but Cormier is a different kettle of fish, um, which is a terrible idiom, but I've used it, and yeah, I just think he deserves to be judged on his own merits. But I do like this comment from Alistair Stewart. Wrestling does not need any more MMA guys. Period. There is somewhat of a fascination, isn't there, with that? And like for some reason as well, you hear UFC people. Um, I, who's um the guy everyone hates at the moment? Uh, God, his name's just eluded me. But he he just he just beat, he just beat Tyron Woodley. I, I, That's, I, killing I,
2: That's killing
1: me. That's <laughs> me. Um. But anyway, everyone hates him at the moment, and I, um.
2: I gotta disagree with that, though. I, I I think that the MMA, the craze and the popularity of MMA had a lot of transition over into the professional wrestling world. Like you, The reason why I call Ronda Rousey the lord and savior of the WWE Women's Division, because on so many occasions, Vince, Stephanie, Triple H have all said that they didn't really ta- know the importance of women's wrestling until Ronda Rousey's popularity in MMA. So that the whole reason that we got the the women's evolution is in part to the success of Ronda Rousey becoming one of the top draws in MMA history. Whether yeah. whether whether we want to admit it or not, as fans, it comes from the horse's mouth itself. So that's why I credit Ronda Rousey for what she did in MMA and it had that transition and made an impact in the business that I love. So I give her a lot of credit for that. So I don't I don't think we need a bunch of MMA guys, right. but people in particular like Daniel Cormier that had that charisma I think would be a better transition
1: yeah absolutely the guy I was thinking of by the way was Colby Covington um who is like the pro Donald Trump um, yes. you know and he was tra- he's just been trashing everything late recently rubbing everyone up the wrong way and he was like you know I might come over to WWE and take on Drew and I'm like Drew McIntyre's like a foot taller than you man like just come on pick your fights come on man um but anyway let's go to the bs here then daniel cormier coming in imminently i'm thinking around a yellow like it could happen it's not out of the question but it's certainly not like a foregone conclusion it's about to happen now middle of the road yeah, yeah. middle of the road it is there it is man to get a hot take. What do you think? I'm ready. Let's do it.
2: Wrestling Daily Show. This is Steve here
1: from the Going In Raw podcast. My hot take, Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme
2: song done by Disturbed was better than the Jim Johnston theme. Take that.
1: <laughs> Mass. That is a strong take, sb 3 I know there's actually a lot of people out there that would agree with that. Um, for me, the iconic glass break and wow, wow, wow. That that's the one right that's that's the bopper. when that happens you know you know shit's about to turn up but the heel theme in 2001 that he refers to uh, that you before we went on air, you did a great rendition by the way of just the, uh, step uh, up
2: <laughs> in the next one in love with the queue, you don't believe me but the bidding that you will step up in the pain of the pain is only the beginning that's actually
1: better I would argue, uh, than the original. No, um, I, I mean, it's cool, right? But come on, that's not best Austin, is it?
2: I, I'm going to agree with Steve. I hey! love, I love the disturbed version. That's what I help? Bring I back Louis. Get out. <laughs> Scrab. Do the I bricks. Don't, I don't know the lyrics, obviously, from what you just saw. But I, two of the most iconic Austin entrances are with that theme. WrestleMania 17 coming down to the Mm. roar of the crowd where it doesn't make sense why he turns heel at the end of the night because he's he's a god in Houston, Texas, and he comes down to the ring, one of his best entrances at WrestleMania, and then two, him coming back to save WWF from the alliance when he comes in with the, in the in the truck from the from the bar being all depressed yeah, beats up in the parking lot and then that glass shatters and then his music plays it's like it's like anything we've seen from sting and wcw beating up the nwo it's mm. one of those iconic moments in austin history and i associate that with that theme song so i agree with steve
1: oh, man. um the, what i will say for that i think some of those moments are like on steroids like that one where austin comes back and stuns everyone and i think after the glass breaks they could literally be like teletubbies after that and people wouldn't even know it's because just like ah, austin's here he's about to kick it ah, he's gonna kick their ass um so i think um i have to i have to disagree we, we this is our first split sv3 um when i think of austin the first song that comes to my head is of course the iconic Jim Johnston version. Although you know, it's not to say I didn't like the 2001 version, and um, it was pretty cool. But um, I, I can't say that it's like his best or some. It's not what I think of straight away. Anyway, let's see what some people think about this Um, in the comments. Oh man, Mister Mister Ol- Davis, number one fan. He's gone with SP3 and Steve. What's going? We're breaking down in the comments here. What's-
2: <laughs> It down this the is
1: middle. my show
2: what what is this
1: i <laughs>
2: oh, am yeah, uh, disturbed come on i wish they would have performed that live at wrestlemania 17 forget forget uh let me botching the lyrics to triple h's theme song you should have put out disturbed
1: well look everyone loves disturbed uh, and luke owens is no different Russell talk zone um I need to move on from this. Right. Let's talk about some other news that's going on at the moment. And something that did pop up in recent days, and you can actually find this article on WrestleTalk's website, is uh, Heath Slater turning down the opportunity to work for WWE at Extreme Rules with Drew McIntyre. So I actually spoke to Drew in an interview uh, on my radio show on TalkSport, which you can get on Mondays, by the way, when I'm not doing this, uh, 7 till 9 on TalkSport 2. That's a plug. And... I think uh, we'd spoken to Drew about it, and I was like, how did this come about? How did you and Heath... Because uh, it, it turned out that Heath took a load of convincing just to do that raw shot, which I thought was really good for, for Heath. Like He looked better. He did really well on the mic and stuff. It, you know, The story that was told was cool. But WWE wanted Heath to take this one step further and be involved in the match at Extreme Rules, but he turned them down. And of course, now he's in Impact, doing very well, um which sb3 will elaborate on for us shortly man um do you think should it should Heath have turned them down really or do you think he actually showed a bit of backbone and um you know more on him
2: i think he showed that it's not about the money for him that right. it's about it's about how he's going to be used because he knew that maybe they had an idea for a great angle for him four extreme roles and i agree with you that angle on raw was the best we've seen hate slater in since his free agent run in 2016 when in the smackdown tag team titles Great
1: run run.
2: and he looked like he lived in the gym from the time he got fired to the time he came out in that, you know, he took off his shirt and i was like this guy looks like a main eventer why has he been being used like a jobber for all these years but he he has great uh, on the mic skills he now looks like a star with the with the work that he's done off camera so i i like the fact that he chose being used better in his career than taking the money that's just me
1: yeah i like this comment from cover ones which actually uh, echoes a lot of what you just said sp3 slater made a good move he's been ignored too many times by wwe that's true all of a sudden they need him and they expect him to come running almost I'm, I'm sure that they did. I'm sure they thought that he would have folded and done whatever for them but uh good on him, I think for standing his ground and saying no actually um you've had your chances of me long enough uh and the thing is as well is you know he's actually in real life one of drew McIntyre's closest friends you know yeah. um you know they've been very I'm not going to get into the personal relationships too much, but like Drew's had a lot going on in his life that he's been really there for him and I think I know that Drew was like central to getting him back for the angle. And I think one thing that you can say about Drew McIntyre's run as champion is that every story he's been involved in has been a really good story. Like the Randy Orton thing has been layered with, um, I was the chosen one, but you got so many chances and I didn't. Um, the Dolph Ziggler thing, of course they were partners and then all of this betrayal and things like that, even the Messiah and kind of, you know, being that yardstick to say, this is your first real test as champion. And I feel like all of Drew's matches have been really interesting champion um and they you know me and louis were arguing about this yesterday one day surely there's interest in a free mb world title match yes or no
2: i i have interest in a 3mb
1: and, hey, and you're, you're back you're back on side <laughs> <SM3>.
2: <laughs> and it's mainly i'll be honest with you it's mainly what i saw in that uh 24 special for Drew McIntyre. That kind of brought it full circle for me. That was one of the better 24s because I, it took me a while to, to to watch it. I think I just watched it uh, this past week and I was just blown away by awesome. his whole story. Like he is one of, I said it without seeing that, uh, that whole special that Drew McIntyre is one of the best baby faces WWE has booked in years. Oh. In literal Easy. years, easily. And because Daniel Bryan was by accident AJ Styles when he was a when he was a babyface as WWE champion he he was hit or miss for most fans when it came to that run that long title run that he had on SmackDown but Drew McIntyre from the build-up to Royal Rumble to after the Royal Rumble to winning the title, he's been one of the best WWE champions we've had in quite some time and by far one of the best babyfaces on the mic, his presentation, his matches. Like you said, he made a feud with Dolph Ziggler. The 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 annual Dolph Ziggler summer push he made <laughs> interesting and yeah. that, that he deserves a lot of credit for that altogether. And Uncle- he... he I credit him for giving uh for raising up Bobby Lashley as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's a ve- another very good point. Um, and, I, and I think MVP deserves a lot of credit in that angle as well for making Bobby Lashley relevant. I will say, and I mean this totally objectively and it will sound weird. Drew McIntyre's body is amazing. <laughs> like, he is chiseled. He is jacked. Like, um, you know, it, it, his arms, like they're enormous. Like I know he's big, but man, the like, last few weeks I've been like, Jesus, this guy's huge. Um, but yeah, I I feel like that he made the right move, man, and I feel good for Heath Slater, which really should move us along. Until you, SB Three, the man who watches all the wrestling you could ever imagine, will talk us through Bound for Glory a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll spend five ten minutes here, man, just get digging into this card that is this weekend, because of course Helen Cell is dominating the headline. but Bound for Glory is a foot man. So talk to us about what is the you know, the hottest angle going into the show or what people should be looking out for. Um, I, I actually only saw the, you know, the talking shop special part of last night. I haven't seen impact yet. So um, you'd be the perfect man to uh, to get us into the action here, man, and break it down for people, because I know you've had some thoughts about this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, to, to segue off of uh, Heath Slater, uh, the Call Your Shot gauntlet is one of like the lower card matches. More than likely, it's going to be the match that starts off the show. And Heath Slater has kind of been Heath, or as he's known in Impact, just Heath. Uh, has been the star, really, of the build-up to the match because, you know, the Call Your Shot gauntlet it consists of tag team wrestlers, singles wrestlers, and women, and the women's division, the knockouts division in, mm-hmm. in tag wrestling, and the winner gets to call their shot of what title they want a shot at. Not only is Heath in this match, and uh, Rhino is responsible for that, because there's been a little angle with him getting his job kind of reminiscent of his free agent run in two thousand and sixteen that we talked about earlier. And Scott Demore didn't want to sign a contract for big money, WWE type money with Heath. So he basically had to sneak in uh, different different uh, shows for Impact wrestling. But Rhino convinced Scott Demore to put Heath in this matchup. With if Heath wins, he gets his contract, the contract that he wants for the big money with Impact Wrestling. But if they lose, he cannot be on Impact Wrestling anymore. And Rhino, who is a signed Impact wrestler performer, he has to give up his contract. And Heath doesn't know that he—he's only said it to Scott Demore. We saw it as the fans, but he never told Heath that part of the deal. So that's probably the most interesting storyline going into that match. But the must-watch.
1: SP3, hang on. Before we move away from the gauntlet match, we do have a super chat from nice. the mayor of Painesville himself, who says Brian Myers is winning the gauntlet and cash in on the world title. Facts. There you <laughs> go. Not even an opinion. It's a fact. SP3. Um, Facts. Before you move on to the rest of the card, have you got a pick? It's got to be. It's got to be Heath, hasn't it? That's for, that's what I'm
2: thinking. I'm gonna say Heath wins by eliminating Rhino. In- <gasps> But and, I mean, and, that is, doesn't that
1: save Rhino's job in a perverse way? So,
2: yeah, but I think I think the the long term thing needs to be that you know Ryan, he, he doesn't know that Rhino is putting up his contract. So I think that and he, he's teased it a little bit that he turns heel on Rhino. I think that would be the nice way to kind of prolong this story and build it out a little bit longer.
1: Okay, um, wh- where else on the card should we get excited then? Because there are. EC3 and Moose are going at it. Eddie Edwards and Ken Shamrock. Uh, yeah. I actually dig the Shamrock Sammy Callahan alliance. By the way, um, they're together. Uh, you know, we've got the six way intergender scramble for the you know the Impact X division. Uh, man, the tag is what I'm getting excited about with the Motor City yeah. Machine Guns, the Good Brothers, the North, Ace Austin and Madman, Fulton Man. There's a lot happening there. You know, Diana Purrazzo, man, and Kylie Ray. that's been built really well from what I've seen. Uh, and I love Deonna. Um, I think what she's done since moving from NXT has been tremendous. And, of course, the world title, Eric Young and Rich Swann. Um, man, there's a lot to go off there. sb 3 man, give us a couple of the matches that you think are going to be show-stealers or, you know, have big impacts. Good
2: pun uh, moving forward. I I think the matches that are going to steal the show are for sure the uh, knockouts championship matchup between Diana Peraza and uh, Kylie Ray. They just make the perfect match against each other. So good. Peraza's been on a roll like you said like her matches with Jordan Grace she stole the show at Slammiversary with Jordan Grace she had a great 30 minute uh Iron Woman match on uh Impact Emergence which was a couple of weeks ago against Jordan Grace but Kylie Ray just makes that plucky baby face uh one of, one of uh, the promotions that I sponsor, Warrior Wrestling in Chicago, she's the Warrior Wrestling Women's Champion there. She's one of the biggest stars in Chicago, freelance champion. So I think that she's going to win the big one on at this pay-per-view. But uh, the tag team match, I don't think you can go wrong with the North, one of the most underrated tag teams in the business. The Good Brothers just so much success there they have right now with the popularity of talking shop of mania and everything else they're doing the motor city machine guns ace austin and madman fulton i'm kind of in the middle with them because i feel like ace austin needs to be a main eventer ace austin is so talented 24 years old he was supposed to they were talking about him being the youngest impact wrestling champion uh going into slammiversary when he was in the main event but i i think that the good brothers are going to come close, but the Motor Simi Machine Guns are going to pull out the victory in that one. But the match you got to watch is the main event, Grit Swan versus Eric Young for the Impact World Championship. One of the best rivalries in the business. Up there with Reigns and Uso, up there with the ballad of Hangman Page and the Elite in AEW rich swan and eric young from Slammiversary to now have built one of the best rivalries in the business and it makes you want to root for rich swan to win on saturday so i'm rooting for rich swan but eric young has done a masterful job of becoming a dastardly top heel for impact mm. Wrestling.
1: yeah absolutely and um, i do want to read out this comment just before i make a final say on the card um the Yankee Power says, "Mine is Kylie Ray versus Gianna Perazzo. Kylie Ray is the most lovable babyface in wrestling, and I have to co-sign that for um, to a large degree. I was at uh, AEW's first ever double, first ever show, Double or Nothing, right in Vegas, and uh, man, I mean, the atmosphere was amazing there. But let me tell you, in the build-up, where they had like the press conference, and even on the night, she was as over as anyone." I mean that the crowd were hot as anything for Kylie's you know, smiley Kylie, right? The crowd were hot as hell. Um and I'm I'm just loving seeing her perform on that big stage. Don't know what happened, AEW, but I'm just delighted to see her still killing it, um, you know, making the rounds and wrestling and stuff, man. Like she she is a big talent in my eyes. Um I, I feel the same way about her, like I did about the Rosa before she's now getting the spotlight with AEW and um, these are women that are just destined to you know to do big things in the business in my opinion so a lot of great stuff going on on that card and man I, I think we've got a lot to look forward to SP3.
2: Uh, we definitely do but I agree with you uh, between Kylie Ray and uh, a little spoiler for my YouTube channel True Hill Heat I have an interview coming out with Thunder Rosa uh, this yeah. week and she talks about that she's not, you know, currently with AEW. She doesn't know her future with AEW. If AEW lets her slip through their fingers, that is two of the top women's wrestlers in the world that they had in their grass and they just somehow let get away. And that's the one fault against AEW that I can point out in their year on Dynamite, which has been great television, but the women's division needs work. And the fact that they had Kylie Ray and Thunder Rosa and didn't lock them in, so it's a moment
1: for yeah. sure <laughs> i'm gonna win the rose i've never spoke to her and i really i really want to she's such a fascinating character uh, i'm seeing in the comments where has the tash gone <laughs> from joe copson that's one as my best friend for anyone who doesn't realize i had a shave man i haven't really got much of a beard you know i had a haircut today come on leave a brother alone i'm struggling here i'm a, I'm a solid six out of ten come on um yeah so anyway moving forward uh man like you said the women's division there there is so much talent outside of WWE, and i know for a long time people have said like nxt strongest women's division but impact has a strong claim you know okay we're talking outside of like maybe stardom and places like that but uh, man they've got a strong claim as anyone in my opinion impact so really excited to see what those guys do on saturday I think that leads us nicely into another hot take. I think we should go into that. Let's do that right
2: it's now. It's me, the Let's Mayor go. of Paintsville Dan. And my unpopular wrestling opinion is that Dexter Loomis is a fantastic character. He's going to win the NXT
1: Championship
2: in the near future. And there's so much mileage in his character and he's going to go places. Yeah, And that's my unpopular wrestling opinion
1: mmm I am um, I like Dexter Loomis by the way uh I think there's a ton of upside to him is his character the kind that is gonna lead a show I think they'd have to do a lot of work to flesh that out and to make it something like that but I am quite high on the 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 talent and the the general I don't know not presentation, but the general kind of skill set that he has. I do think that there's a lot to him. Um, I'm not sure that's the guy you make number
2: one right now, though. You, SB3? I think as a character, he could work as a heel. I just haven't been into them pushing him as a babyface. I, I enjoy the character, and it's a lot of what he was in Impact Wrestling as Sam Shaw, there the the eyes he has he has a great look and yeah. the character just would work better as a heel in my opinion but as far as in the ring uh, future nxt champion i mean we 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 have finn balor right now we've had adam cole in the past we've had johnny gargano tomaso champa I just don't think Dexter Loomis lives up to that high mantle of work rate that NXT champions in the past have had. I I tried to give him a chance. His matchup with Damian Priest, I just was kind of bored by a little bit of it. Damian Priest has so much talent, but Dexter Loomis is kind of a throwback to the the way WWE used to teach their young performers how to work, that McDonald's mm. type of style, the Randy Orton headlock, chinlock uh, type <laughs> of style. Come on. I don't, do, say, don't do Randy like that. Come I just, on. No, I'm a big fan of Randy Orton. I, I've said before he's having the best year of his career, in my opinion, but that Randy Orton style is the headlock, chin lock, finisher, five moves of doom type of thing, and I feel like that's what Dexter Lumitz arsenal
1: is pretty much yeah i hear you and um it's funny because we're talking about dexter loomis's champion but a man who's getting a lot of love in the comments is cameron grimes pierre is in there with him uh you know, bonzo Fowlife life is saying yes cameron grimes and yeah man he's he's asking for him to be the champ as well to the moon, uh, to the moon! <laughs> to the moon! Uh, i do like that guy to be fair um It's. I mean, NXT, like I said, they're always going to be chock full of talent like this, aren't they? Like It's just depending on what direction they go. But it does feel like this is the first time in a long time that maybe NXT is at a bit of a crossroads. Is that fair to say? Like It feels like they've had, and because this is kind of the nature of NXT with the conveyor belt, way it works, I don't know. This is the first time in a long time where they don't have something red hot in their back pocket.
2: I, I think that the, the fact that they've had to stretch out their television over the past year, being on USA for two hours, it's, it's putting a lot of strain on the performers. Because if you've been an NXT fan like I have since the WWE Network era, since it came out in 2014 on the Network launch, they, they've had one hour of television where you see you know one of your favorite wrestlers, you won't see him for another two or three weeks. Now they, they are churning out these guys week after week after week, and I think it's coming back to haunt them in the long run because you can't have a high-quality uh, match-of-the-year candidate like we saw with Finn Balor and uh, Kyle oh. Rowley. From takeover 31 without someone coming up scarred it seems like and it seems like there's this black cloud around the nxt championship with kerry and cross going down and now finn Balor. we've had guys like rich holland go down on a simple thing like a plancha and i was like totally that was a horrifying injury
1: to see. so horrible the way the way his leg folds is and in the way he screams all of it was nasty real nasty um Man, I, like you said, I mean, NXT have had a terrible run with injuries, man. Like, whether it be um, Karrion Cross, Tegan Knox, or of course, Ridge Holland now, and and Finn Balor. it's anyone else, any other promotion in the world, four of their main players go down like that, they're gonna feel it. Anyone will, right? So, I feel like that has to be taken into the equation. Seeing as we've got hot takes going on, there's a nice little comment that's caught my eye on the right hand side. Funky Chicken 20 says, I have an unpopular opinion. Rock versus John Cena 2 from WrestleMania 29 is actually a good match. The Rock making the same mistake Cena made the year before was an excellent near fall for the match. And you know what, Funky Chicken? You're right. That was a great moment in an otherwise bad match. (laughs) Okay? I'm sorry to to cut you down like this. Um, It was just a finisher fest that admittedly had to happen because The Rock's groin was torn. And believe me, I'm the biggest rock mark in the world. I would like to I would do nothing more than celebrate the greatness of that man. But man, that match just underdelivered. I thought the first one was better. And for me. I just I I don't love and this is what we had for both our world title matches at WrestleMania this year. I don't love a a finisher fest. I don't. I think you've got to be more creative than just, oh, my God, he's kicked out of two finishers now. And in like that dynamic goes on for however long. I did love the moment, though, that you have recapped. That was a saving grace in many eyes, I guess. But SB3, man, where'd you land on that? I, I can't I can't go along with it.
2: I was there live for WrestleMania 29. That was my first WrestleMania I was ever live for in in New Jersey. And yes, I agree with you that it was a great moment in an otherwise boring finisher fest type of match. Uh, I prefer the 28 clash a lot better than the 29 one because it was so unnecessary. I always said that that should have been Rock versus Cena versus CM Punk. If they wanted those two guys in the main event still, you put Punk in there, it would have gave it a whole different type of dynamic. Maybe we don't get Punk versus Taker, but I just would have enjoyed it more. And the Finisher Fest only works in particular moments. Like I've, I've said it before, Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar is the greatest five-minute or sub-five-minute match in WWE history because it's nothing but high-impact, all finishers, all the time. But once again, that's the exception to the rule, not the rule. Usually, uh, it doesn't work out with the finisher. Fest. It's
1: very interesting you said that because um, I've never said, Alex, you say you hate finisher fest, but what about Lesnar and Goldberg at WrestleMania 33? Almost reading SB3's mind. Um, <laughs> I was there for that one, and that was my first WrestleMania. And- I think we've established at this point, I don't love Goldberg, but I really love that match. So yes, you have got me there. There, There is kind of um, an exception there, but I don't think that was just purely a finisher fest. You know, they had the through the barricade stuff on the outside and it was a real kind of like brawl and physical affair before we got into the finisher spots. I felt with the rock and Cena that they, you could like, you could see the cogs turn in their mind. They'd run out of ideas because rock was hurt. Right. I understand there's reasons, but I just don't think that was necessarily – I don't think you can say they're exactly the same, although I do take your point. So very fair, fairly done. Um, there's, we have a little bit more news before uh, before we get away this week. And the only other one, really, is what Seamus has been saying about Big E. Now, anyone might have seen me tweeting earlier about the interview that Seamus did with Sports Illustrated, and he was very, very complimentary of the big man saying that the world saw a different side of Big E during the match that they had, Fool's Count anyway, which, by the way, was a good match. Um, A guy that should be world champion. We all know he he can joke and crack people up, but when it comes to a fight, he can also hold his own against anybody. And that seems to be the message that WWE have been desperately trying to convey. Are they doing it well at the moment, SP3?
2: Um I, I'm I'm hit or miss when it comes to if WWE are doing what they need to do with uh Big E, but I feel like Big E is making the The right choices because he's showing that he has that serious side at the right time. I I like you really enjoyed his Falls Count Anywhere match against Sheamus. I I loved his uh return when after Sheamus attacked him in the parking lot and uh beating up the guy and he's like he's like what what's your name? I'm gonna call you Larry and he just beats (laughs) the crap out of him. He just knows his time. His comedic timing is something that I don't want him to lose out on. Like. The, the rumors with him changing his gimmick, I don't think he needs to change his gimmick because his comedic timing is the way that he was able to express his charisma. Because if you remember Big E Langston, there they he was very charismatic in NXT with the, with the five count and everything. But once he became a bodyguard for Dolph Ziggler, it's like they ripped whatever charisma that he had. The away. most
1: stoic man of all time is what he was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he definitely was. Like, I loved him in NXT. He was one of the first characters in NXT that I really enjoyed. And he's the first Black nxt champion as well because some people yeah. forget with keith lee winning the title i heard some people like he's the first no you forgot Big E was also an nxt champion well, wwe once you forget because they they act like Big E was never a single star or never an intercontinental champion it was like oh you're a tag team guy how can you transition from being a tag team guy to a single star he's like he's been nxt champion he's been intercontinental champion that's why i said i'm kind of in the middle if wwe is doing what they have to do to position him in the right light. But I think he's on the right path uh, because of the choices that he's made.
1: And we do have a super chat from mayor of Painesville, Dan. Uh, It is fun to see things go full circle. Goldust put Seamus over when he arrived and now Seamus put over a promising singles talent like Big E. Dan, on the money once again, my friend, Uh, it is great to see that. And for me, um, I can see what they're doing with biggie but i don't think he needs to be rebranded or you know sharpened up or kind of polished in any kind of way i feel like he is there he's got the charisma he's got the personality the in-ring work is there he looks believable which is something that you could have all the rest but vincent man that will be the part that pulls you down perhaps right that you don't look like you could put him in with brock lesnar and that would will sell I'm telling you, people would believe that Big E could hang with him and uh, pick him up and, you know, have a believable scrap with him uh, if you can suspend the MMA training part of it and stuff. But still, like, aesthetically is what I'm talking about. You could believe it, right? Um, And I think that's half the battle sometimes. So for me, uh, I think Big E, you know, anyone who follows me on Twitter, I am a huge proponent of Big E, uh, and I just hope that nothing but great things happens for him. We still have a hot take in the chamber, SB3. I think we need to get it going while, it, while we enter the last 10 minutes of this affair. And its <laughs> I've seen this hot take, by the way. And put your glasses down, everyone.
2: Glass has no place in professional wrestling as a weapon. By its very nature, it's inconsistent. Wrestling is supposed to be consistent. A lot of people who are Deathmatch fans will argue with that fact, but I stand by it.
1: By its very nature, it's inconsistent. I was like, okay, all right. Um, Glass in wrestling, this is a very niche topic to get into, but uh, the first thing I think of, and I think we talked about this earlier, SP3, Michael's and Janetti, okay, through the barbershop. That's an iconic moment. Another iconic moment, maybe for the wrong reasons, is Shane McMahon and Kurt Angle. Where where Shane is just getting annihilated because the glass won't break, and Kurt has got like no tailbone, but still trying to like pop a suplex through it. Um, that's a legendary moment. Uh, man, I I kind of get what he means. Like, there's sometimes where you see like a car spot, or you know, and they're trying to like. Uh, I remember there was one with Jr. back in the day, and Taz. Remember that? Um, ahead of I want to say SummerSlam 2000. I've just completely riffed this. That might be wrong, um, but like Taz hits um, hit the glass in the car and basically it's all in like Jr's eye, like sh- for shoot. And you think, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to make those risks. But at the same time, there's a lot of wrestling like that. Violence is kind of part and parcel of it. So at some point, SB3, do you think that glass should be outlawed?
2: I-, I am not of the outlaw nature on You're not, you're not passionate about it, No. No, no, I'm not that I never thought of it like him. I feel like when he saw Marty Janetti go through that barbershop glass, he was like, this was the moment that Marty Janetti's career ended. This is why he talks about being 13 years old at a bowling alley to this day because he <laughs> went through that barbershop glass. But, uh, and then when Shea McMahon couldn't go through the glass at, at King of the Ring t- 2001, I just feel like he was just like, you see, you see what I'm talking about? It's not consistent. It's not, but like you said, there's been so many iconic moments when it comes to glass. You got Marty going through the barbershop glass. Even more recently, you got uh, Trent going through the, the windshield uh, yeah. during the parking lot fight with uh, Santana and Ortiz and the best friends. That that was the moment that kind of made that match very memorable. That was probably the moment where Dave Meltzer was like, it gets all the stars, all the stars in the world. Rainy stars. It was Joel. raining stars on that match. The moment that uh, Trent went through that windshield, and even in WWE, you had like we just talked about Sheamus putting uh, Big E through that through that windshield in the parking lot. It. Brought out something more of Big E. That's when that storyline it went from just okay, they're positioning Big E with the upper upper card guy to okay, this is now a personal rivalry. So there are points where Glass has made a difference. I agree. Maybe in the deathmatch match uh, territories, that the uh, that maybe it's a little overused. I, I prefer t- Thumbtacks over Glass when it comes to that. Yeah. But I, I feel like the glass, sometimes if you're, if you're in an even bigger feud and thumbtacks has already been used, using the glass takes it to another level. I, I will feel like in the past, going back to Impact Wrestling, Abyss has sometimes brought out glass. And I was just like, this is so unnecessary. You already have the <laughs> thumbtacks. You don't really need glass at this point. But I, I, I'm more in the middle ground where I see where he's upset about it. Yes, it's not consistent, but it is necessary on occasion.
1: Well, to pivot back to Big E and away from all things glass, <laughs> uh, we have a super chat here from Chris Petru. Uh, Big E should be a main event player in 2021. He would have great matches with all the top talent. Thank you very much, Chris. And I could not agree more. Um, I, as, as I articulated earlier, I really believe that he has everything in his school in his skill set. To be a top player in the company, um, you know he's a great. He's great in interviews as well. By the way, I spoke to him a couple of months ago. Really cool guy. Um, I, I just think he's got everything there. And and he has he ever stunk the ring out? No, he's been yeah. on a tear with with the new day for a long time. And I know that's different setting, but he's still got all of the tools, man. And I think when he spoke to me, he said that he WWE had told him that they knew what the plan was for him. He had, he had told that they had told him specifically what the plan was. Now one would assume that means the draft was a part of that and the new day going their separate direction. Um And I have to believe that that leads into a bigger ploy. When you look at the top of SmackDown, Rollins, Brian, KO, Roman, and then you insert Big E in there too. And there's suddenly a lot happening a lot. So um I, I think that there's, the perfect dance partners for him. People like Rollins and Brian will be amazing for Big E. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot that can really go down there. Um, as we start to wind down this show, SP3, man, what um, is worth noting that tonight is obviously the Wednesday Night Wars, which, yeah. you know, kind of flirt between the wars and just two shows on the same night. Um, But what I will say is I'm looking forward to a steak dinner. What about you, SP3?
2: la dinner debbie debredone or something like that (laughs) I, I, i forget the uh the hashtag for it but i have never been so excited about a steak dinner unlike this because of mjf and chris jericho's great uh chemistry together like every segment they have if you put it on paper it's like This is not going to get over. This is not going to be popular with the fans. But with these two guys, it's always fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. And I am all types of excited for Pentagon versus Phoenix one-on-one in the world title eliminator. I think that's going to be a great match tonight.
1: Matt, yeah. Like I said, I mean, AEW stacked it up last week, felt they delivered. And I'm really intrigued because I just feel like it can't fail with Jericho and MJF. They're just so both characters are so amazing like rubbing them together has been excellent and i just feel like i'm so excited to see how they play it do you know what i mean because they're both kind of heels but they're both so entertaining that they can make it going in any direction they want to go man so i think um I think-
2: I think this is a great way for Chris Jericho to turn babyface in AEW. I think he's done everything that he can do as a heel in AEW. He's feuded with all the the top babyfaces, feuded with the elite, feuded with Orange Cassidy. And there wasn't a lot left for him to do after the Orange Cassidy feud. So I think MJF one of the top three to five heels in the business today is the best person to play off of to get a Jericho baby face run and him taking over the inner circle or kick out somebody like Sammy Guevara. It's a great way to kind of, kind of change, change the positions in AEW. And, yeah. up.
1: and it's a great rub for MJF too. And um, before we finish here, I know we're into the final few minutes. Look at that. WWE to tweet uh-huh. out who would win this dream match. You read that right? This dream match between the great He and Keith Lee. I mean, okay, uh, okay. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, who got into work in the in like the social media department and went? Well, you know, we've been holding this one back. We've been holding this fire tweet back, but now today is the day to drop it. Who would win? carly <laughs> I play. how is that even a dream like i don't even know what i, I don't even know what dream match looks like for great carly i i, I he can barely walk how can how can he be having dream matches
2: man whose dreams is this like and what, what type of drugs did they do before they went to sleep like what it's not
1: even the great carly he wouldn't even want it i'm sure of it like if you said to Keith Lee, look, man, we got a we got a hell of a dream match for you. Listen, now listen, I know we were pushing you hard, and then things took a bit of a detour, but we're all gonna get back on track because guess who's in
2: town? It's the great Carly! This is, this is the way they push Keith Lee to the next level. Great <laughs> Carly versus Keith Lee. It's a, a match it. classic. Yeah. Okay, Saudi Arabia, Crown Drill 2021. There you go.
1: Man, that is. I, I, I can't even begin to imagine what they're thinking. I really can't. Um, Abnav says, uh, <laughs> "Great Kali versus Great O'Connor in a chop match."
2: Oh my god! I, I was just talking about how I I did not like Great O'Con at all, but that is the perfect comparison to <laughs> to Great O'Con. Great O'Con versus Great Kali.
1: Yeah, and then I, I think for anyone who's running the WWE India account, um, Uptown Avondale has summed it up pretty nicely. Cocaine is a hell of it. I'm going to upload like a Rick James uh, thing into this stream yard because I, I, this is happening every night. Um, But anyway, we've we've been on an hour. I could talk more, man. I really could. But thank you to everyone who has took part in the show tonight. Uh, Alex McCarthy's Wrestling Daily with SP3. He'll be back here every Wednesday. I think we can all say
2: the man has done a hell of a job. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it thank was you. my thank honor you. and privilege to be here with you, brother.
1: I've really appreciated having you, man, and uh, looking forward to making it a weekly thing. I'll be back on tomorrow with Steph Chase, uh, the absolute expert in everything New Japan and AEW. I'm sure she'll have a lot of things to say. So once again, thank you, guys. Thank you for the super chats. Thank you for the comments. Uh, And thank you again for making this a great show. So see you tomorrow, 8 p.m.